gonemobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Telerik UI for Xamarin is a collection of more than 70 Xamarin forms and Xamarin wrappers. A theming mechanism with a built-in predefined theme, predefined Visual Studio item templates, MVVM support, and more. The toolset offers fast-loading, excellent drawing capabilities, pixel perfection, and stunning UI, all while providing flexible customization. One C-sharp project, three native mobile apps. Release your inner .NET Ninja and create awesome cross-platform mobile apps with Telerik UI for Xamarin. For more information or to download a trial, visit Telerik.com slash Xamarin dash Gone Mobile. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Mobile. Uh, I'm flying solo today because John's actually uh, flying across the country and, and couldn't make the recording. But but thankfully, I'm I'm joined here by another real veteran of the the old school Xamarin crew, uh, Brian Kostanish. How's it going, man? Fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure, and I think we're we're long overdue on, and it's good to just kind of catch up in general. I for you know for those of us who have been around the Xamarin community for a long time and you know your your name is definitely you know you know pretty well known in in those circles i think you even beat me to the the scene back in the day and and had a book before even before mine came out um for anyone i mean but obviously this is like 8 9 however many years later so so for for anyone who might not be familiar with with your history uh can you just give a you know a quick intro yeah, absolutely. So um, I helped build Xamarin. I was uh, first um, leadership hire over there. Came on about a month after it formed and um, built out the documentation team, and, and then uh, built Xamarin University, and, and was really kind of one of the, the central core pieces um, to to bring Xamarin to the world. Right on. So, and obviously you've been, uh, you've been gone for, from Xamarin for, for a little while now. So, so what have you been up to, man? Yeah, that's right. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I, I think, um, I, I left Xamarin and started a new company, started uh, Wilderness Labs. And we are trying to make hardware development as fast and easy as software. You know, I think hardware is probably the biggest single component of the co- computing revolution right now, but you know, it's still really hard to build and, and make. And so we're changing that. All right. So, yeah, let's let's dig into that. Um, you know, use the word revolution. So so let's let's take it off from there. What are you seeing in the, the market right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is it's an interesting place to be right now. You know, we're really at the beginning of a new revolution in computing. It's hard to believe that 10 years ago, the iPhone launched and it ushered in the mobile revolution. And, and in the last 10 years, we saw a rapid change in the industry. You know, fortunes were made. You can enumerate any number of iOS developers there. And then, of course, fortunes were lost. You think about the $8 billion write down for Nokia that Microsoft, you know, made alone and the Windows Mobile debacle and stuff. You know, but but that revolution the mobile revolution really paved the way for what's just now beginning and and that's the hardware revolution and some folks like to call it iot i like to call it connected things because to me you know that's really the heart of it we're talking about connecting devices to each other to the internet and making new technology experiences you know and this this sort of connected things revolution has been made possible because of advances that came from mobile technology you know we now have 
a cornucopia of commodity, you know, which means cheap, uh, low energy, high performance components. So there's been a proliferation of high quality sensors and Wi-Fi, Bluetooth connectivity. And of course, uh, the microcontroller has really come into its own. Uh, you know, and and uh, for instance, there's this little company in Shenzhen uh, called Espressive, and they make a they make a fantastic microcontroller that has Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and four megabytes of RAM, and it's it's basically under five dollars. You know, and and microcontrollers are the kind of hardware that you need to build uh, connected things and 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 connected things at scale. And microcontrollers are 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 different than like a microprocessor which is a kind of a big piece of silicon micro microcontrollers are are smaller all in one form factors that have all the kind of um, IO that you need to do hardware so it's got digital uh, input output it's got analog and it supports um, you know things various protocols like SPI and I squared C and, and whatnot so you can really plug uh, peripherals together and, and, and drive hardware. You know, and and the from a from a, a numbers perspective, uh, the hardware revolution will be an even bigger thing, a bigger even bigger phenomenon than the mobile revolution. You know, there's there's somewhere between twenty and twenty five billion connected devices today, and only about five billion of them are mobile phones. So for every phone, there are at least four other connected devices. And, and that number is supposed to double about every four years for the foreseeable future. So this means that connected devices will massively outnumber mobile device, mobile devices. And of course, you know, in considering that that curve there, um, the adoption the adoption curve is far more aggressive than it was for mobile devices. So connected things will grow much faster than mobile did, and and mobile was the fastest adopted technology in human history. You know, in in practical terms, it'll be difficult to buy a new device that isn't connected in in a few years. You know, like you go to the store and you want to buy an appliance or or just about anything. You know, these things will be connected. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've long kind of joked that it seems like, you know, a device doesn't really exist these days unless it has like an IP address attached to it. And, you know, more and more, just everything is everything is somewhat connected. Like, I think um, I just bought like a new router in my house that gives like a nice detailed look at um, all the devices that are that are connected to it and what's using it. And, and it's just it's funny to see, you know, all together, just how many things are, are on my network. And I don't even have that smart of a home. Um, I still have to convince my wife every time I want to make something quote unquote smarter. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so it's interesting to, to hear you, you kind of draw that connection from the, the mobile, the mobile revolution to the, this device revolution and, and how it kind of paved the way. Um, so I guess, you know, you, it sounds like you've been able to draw from a lot of your experience then in, in what you had done in the mobile world and, and in the Xamarin world for, for what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's funny when we were first getting Xamarin going, I used to go around and uh, I would give this talk on uh, the importance of mobile and I would go out to colleges and, and you know, meetups and small businesses and stuff. And, um, you know, we didn't have any developer evangelists back then. So it was so it was basically just me. You know, we were like 10 people and and I would go out and I would tell people I would say, look, you know, you really need to be learning mobile. You really need to be doing mobile. And if you're not, you're already missing it. You know, you're going to be left behind uh, because it was going to really make careers and fortunes. It, and um, it's it's 
it was it was awesome because I would go out and give these talks and three, six or nine months later, I would get emails from people that I would have, you know, I spoke to and inspired to go build mobile stuff. And they would they would send me a link to the to the you know, their app in the app store and it'd be like number one and, you know, X, Y, Z category. And, and, um, it was awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. And now it's, it's, uh, it's fun to be out there again, telling people about, uh, the hardware revolution and, and kind of saying the same things and saying, Hey, look, you know, you gotta be playing in this space. If you want to, if you want to stay, stay up on what's happening and you, and you want to really push your career. So like as you're as you're out there talking to people about this kind of, you know, delivering that message kind of encouraging people to to get into this, um, you know, what sort of responses are you seeing? What kind of things are you seeing that people are building or what do you think they should be building? Well, I think, you know, the response has been really fantastic. I've been going to these meetups and 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 oftentimes they're standing room only and and people come up to me afterwards and they and they just say that they're really inspired and they, and then they, you know, they send me projects and whatnot and 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 the great thing about the great thing about building a platform is that folks will really surprise you. You know, you never know what they're going to build and they'll build lots of things that you could never imagine. And, 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 you know, that's really fantastic. It's just really cool to see and, 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 and to see it based on something that you've built, you know, some tooling that you've created and, and it, and it sort of blows you away and, and it's, and it's really a lot of fun. Um, you know, with that said, I think there's a couple of great examples of, of like intelligent devices for your home that, that I think people, you know, talk about or, you know, think about. And I mentioned that sometime in the near future, it'll be hard to buy products that don't have some connected intelligence uh, built in. And, and imagine, for example, a smart fridge, you know, uh, a smart fridge is, is, is really interesting because, um, you know, this is, this is sort of like a key use case. And, and imagine you come home and you start loading your groceries into uh, the smart fridge and, and there's into you know, the fridge and there's cameras in the threshold that use machine vision to, to figure out what you're putting in and keeping a running inventory. And when you're low on milk, it'll automatically be able to order that from Amazon or at least sync it with your phone, you know, your grocery list on, on, on Google tag, Google lists or whatever. And, and because it knows what it has, it'll also be able to give you things like recipe suggestions and, and a meal plan or diet recommendation and, and, of course, I think this experience can also be personalized. So if you have a gluten sensitivity, it could warn you when you grab something that has gluten in it. You know, maybe there's a maybe it, maybe it knows something that, about a product that you don't because it's connected to the Internet and it's able to get that information and knows the ingredients and whatnot. And then, of course, this fridge will be connected with all of the other things in your house. So when you pull a pizza out of the freezer, Google Home or Alexa might ask you, you know, hey, Brian, do you want to preheat the toaster oven or the regular oven? You know, and of course, everyone talks about smart appliances like that, you know, these sort of, um, you know, the big things in, in consumer. But but I think that the ubiquity of these advancements is really easy to underestimate, you know. Consider consider something much smaller. Consider the toothbrush. You know, lots of people have electric toothbrushes in their house. But imagine if your kid's electric toothbrush reported brushing to the Apple Health app. You know, this is the kind of thing that we can expect from modern connected things in the in the consumer world. You know, it's going to be embedded in these this the smart connectivity is going to be embedded in in, in everything. And 
Of course, I think these advancements will extend into uh, the industrial and commercial worlds as well. You know, automation and con connectivity will be will be really key there. You know, take water treatment, for example. This is a classic place in which industrial control with connected embedded devices will have a huge impact. You know, the ability to connect uh, geographically disparate sensors around a treatment plant, you know, control valves and and uh, then monitor all this centrally or you know remotely on your phone and 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 have intelligence around that. I mean this is this is a prime IoT or connected things challenge. And and of course this will extend into the commercial space as well. So smart buildings will be powered by thousands of embedded connected devices. You know tracking assets and you know knowing where things are are at and um, adjusting the behavior of a building depending on what's going on in it and, and stuff. You know like. The, the IoT is really going to change the world. Yeah, and these things are definitely getting into a, a pretty mature state in the last few years. Like I know, um, like over in Seattle, like last year, I, th I think it was last year that they opened, Amazon opened the, the Amazon Go store, which was um, definitely worth checking out if you're, if you're ever in uh, the Seattle area where, you know, you just take things off the shelf and, and walk out and it feels like you're stealing and it, you know, it does a surprisingly good job at, at tracking everything that you're doing and stocking the shelves and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it definitely started to make the the possibility of, you know, smart fridges and, you know, it automatically, you know, using uh, computer vision to, to figure out what you put in there and, and what you're trying to do. It just made that feel a whole lot more realistic than it might have even just a few years ago. So... You know, let's let's kind of dig into this a little bit more. I mean, you mentioned that that hardware hardware is hard, and and I think um, you know a lot of myself and a lot of our our listeners are you know definitely lean more towards the the software side, and and it's easy to you know just misunderstand the the hardware side or you know treat it like a black box. Um, so like you know why if the hardware is is there like why aren't we seeing a lot of these things yet uh, you know if if we have made all these advances and the the platforms are becoming much more approachable yeah i mean that's right i think i think you you know you nailed it and and that uh the amazon thing is a great example of what things could be like um <clears throat> and it's interesting because the hardware pieces are there you know this commodity hardware that 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 came out of the mobile revolution you know those things are there but but despite the massive advancements in 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 hardware, you know, actually building and programming these connect experiences from a from a software perspective or from a tooling and development tooling perspective, that really hasn't changed since the 80s. And so it's very, very difficult today. Um, you know, microcontrollers are still largely programmed in C++. You know, think about that. You know, this means that if you're trying to write a sophisticated experience on a microcontroller, you're writing before you can even get to the, the sophisticated part, you're writing tons of low level stuff. There's lots of plumbing code, you know, there's fighting with drivers and, and, and writing drivers for all this hardware. There's library incompatibilities with whatever, you know, micro OS you're using. There's archaic tool chains and make and see make. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's like trying to run in waste deep mud. So, so even if you're successful in building something as simple as like Nest or Ring, you know, these things wind up being massive code bases to do just a very few things. You know, they're full of hacked together libraries and unofficial ports and they become critical. They, they're, they, they're very 
brittle and they become difficult to maintain. You know, when Google changes an API or something and there's no standard library that you can use, you're in charge of maintaining those updates. So like I said, even something as simple as Nest or Ring, which is, you know, sort of the the the, the vanguard, the, the the very, you know, the beginning of, of the sort of connected things, products that we're going to see, those things represent massive technical challenges and, and not because they're complex, but rather because the tooling is, is, you know, it's really, like I said, stuck in the eighties. So with wilderness labs, you know, we're actively changing that we're, we've set out to make hardware, a plug and play development experience, and we're bringing modern tooling and frameworks, you know, into that, into that space. Yeah, and as someone who definitely doesn't want to write a whole lot of low-level C and driver code and stuff, that definitely sounds appealing to me, and I'm guessing a lot of others. So, like, what's your? Right, it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, it has its time and place, but you know, it's not you know, it's not what you want to be doing every day for for simple tasks for sure. So, so what is it that that you guys are doing at Wilderness Labs to to try and and bring this uh, device world forward? Then, like, how what's your plan for solving these things? Yeah, so it's you know it's a multi-pronged approach. Um, first of all, we we own Netuino, um, and we've really turned Netuino into what I think is a fantastic connected things prototyping platform. You know, and, and then secondly, um, we are working on a on a successor called Meadow that just blows everything else out of the water. You know, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag here. Uh, I think you and I are going to be talking a lot more about this in a month or so. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, Netuino, we acquired that about a year and a half ago, and uh, we've really given it a new life. You know, the, the acquisition of Netuino was kind of an interesting one, um, especially for me. You know, I've always really loved making stuff, you know, from pulling, part, pulling things apart and putting them back together as a kid to building in wood shop and metal shop and stuff in school and then, you know, at home. Um, but in terms of, uh, programming microcontrollers, you know, I got my start with uh, Parallax's basic stamp stuff, which was, you know, you wrote in basic and you could, you could do some real simple things. And, and then, if, and, and, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It was like kind of a game changer. And then of course, Arduino came out and then, um, you know, and I played on our Arduino and, and, you know, and that was fun and, you know, it was very simple and, you know, you could do kind of super simple stuff. And, but then when that Duino came out, I really fell in love with it, you know, and, Netduino was was here's a, here's a here's a thing where I could write C sharp on a microcontroller and you know sure the .NET micro framework was a little bit primitive there's there's no generics for instance um, you know but it was still C sharp and I could even run it on a battery which you know was cool I could do things like uh, um, you know connected weather stations or solar power you know beehive monitoring and stuff and and it also introduced me to like real hardware you know all these great things like I squared C and analog sensors, et cetera. But the problem with Netduino was that it, it never really got a great shot in the world. You know, docs were randomly spread throughout the forums. There was no central repository for drivers, you know, and, and actually building stuff was still a lot of like a lot of tedium, a lot of writing code that I, I, I probably should have, you know, been able to pull down from shared repositories. So we set out to fix a lot of that and give Netduino a new life. And I think that we've really made like I said, we've really turned it into a spectacular platform for prototyping connected hardware. Um, and of course, 
there are even commercially deployed products products out there that use Net, Netduino or the you know .NET micro frame, framework embedded in their own circuits. But I think that the real um, magic around Netduino these days is the Netduino Foundation framework. So at the heart of it, Netduino Foundation is a massive peripheral driver library. So you can go to Sparkfront or Adafruit, you can buy sensors, LCD screens, servos, you know, whatever. You can, and then plug them in and immediately you get a high level API for working with those things. You don't have to go and, and um, write these uh, drivers and do the low level plumbing. So right out the gate, you can focus on writing, you know, app code and, and, and hardware experiences. Uh, but but Netduino Foundation is is so much more than just those drivers. I mean, it massively simplifies hardware app building by providing a real hardware API framework to do up level things. So you know, just picking a couple of examples from Netduino Foundation, um, we just launched this this uh, text display menu library. Um, and text display menu is for the for the for the oldies like us. Um, it's like monotouch.dialog for hardware. Um, you know, it's a, it's a super easy way to add an LCD-based GUI to a hardware project. You simply plug in a multi-line LCD display and a, and a rotary encoder, you know, which is like the volume knob slash button on your stereo. Mm -hmm. um, or you can use buttons instead of a, a rotary encoder for up, down, and select. Um, and then you define your menu in JSON and you can have a fully functional, hierarchical, editable menu on your project in, in minutes. It's amazing. So, you you know, if you have a project that you won't like, one of the things that we've, we've hacked is a dehydrator. And, you know, you need to be able to set temperature and time and stuff. And you can do all that with uh, this menu. And, it, and, and, and literally, you can add a hardware GUI to your, to your solution in, in, in minutes. You know, or take... Uh, another example is uh, Maple Server, which is uh, super easy to use, purpose-built for Netduino micro web server that exposes a RESTful API so that you can easily connect and control your devices remotely. You know, and um, and all of these things that we've done have come out of hacking real world tech. So we've been pulling apart appliances and rebuilding them as smart connected devices. And then of course, we've been capturing all those learnings and publishing them as end-to-end -end samples. So, uh, and, and those samples come complete with Xamarin apps to provide control for them. I mentioned, you know, Maple Server, which, which um, you know, provides a, a web API on the microcontroller and then you connect to that via a Xamarin app and it's, it's super, super simple. Um, another example is PID, which stands for proportional integral derivative. And, and PID is, is like the quintessential industrial control algorithm. It's the, it's the algorithm that keeps your car, um, at speed when using cruise control and it, it keeps drones and level flight in the air and it keeps ships on headings in changing seas. And of course it's used in pretty much every heating control circuit out there in, in traditionally PID is pretty complicated to add to a project. You know, it's based on calculus. Their number of variation depends depending on what you're trying to do, um, et cetera. But, you know, in hacking uh, my dehydrator, which is a, basically, to be clear, a dehydrator is, is like a low temp convection oven. So I'm, I'm building, a, I built a smart oven. Um, we created the PID controllers and added them to Netduino Foundation so that when you, um, you know, want to do 
temperature control on on this appliance, it's it, it it takes hardly any effort. And instead, again, you can focus on the application itself. Um, funny story, I I've been um, I've been building a smart chicken coop. <laughs> Uh, that opens at dawn and lets the chickens out and closes it at sunset to keep them safe from predators at night. And then, of course, it also manages the temp uh, with a heat lamp and, a, and an analog temperature, temperature sensor. And I live in Oregon where it uh, can get in the, you know, in, the, in the mountains and it gets quite cold in the winter and I don't want my chickens to freeze. Um, so I added this temperature control setup to my smart chicken coop and it literally took me from start to finish 10 minutes to write the app to manage temperature. And that was with sophisticated PID temperature control. You know, yeah, it was fantastic. It was, that was kind of the, that was a, that was a really kind of a, an aha moment for me when, when it clicked like how powerful this really was. And, and that's the kind of like real world high level framework stuff we've been building. And then of course, you know, I, as a, as as mentioned, I built the docs team at Xamarin, and and so I fully recognize how important documentation is to a developer platform. It's really part of the product. So we've been heavily investing in documentation, including hardware guides, and we have a fantastic you know electronics tutorial for those that that are interested in in like kind of getting down in the details and maybe curious and want to learn more of what's going under the hood. Um, and then and then as I mentioned, we're publishing these end to end samples that show you how to build these things um, from from start to finish. So we're really tackling this from a lot of directions. Yeah, and I think the, those real-world examples are, are pretty powerful. Um, and also just really, I can imagine, going to be really useful for, you know, software engineers who, who might, you know, you, you can easily, like, speaking for myself, I can look around the house and I can easily come up with a whole bunch of, like, little ideas for, for things that you, you might be able to do with, with a device or, you know, um, gadgets or something, but but it's really hard to know unless you've worked in that space, like how you would even get started doing these things. So so yeah. he hearing that you were able to you know go from your idea and you had your hardware to you know taking ten minutes to write some C sharp code, I'm guessing, and you know in ten minutes you have an app that controls all these things. That's and then having a, a how to guide for for how on the development side to get started. Um, I think that's just going to make things a whole lot more approachable, which is incredibly powerful. Yeah, I mean it's a game changer. Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely gonna have some more some more apps to write real soon. I'm gonna guess. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I mean, in the hardware space in general is, is is really interesting. I mean, there's been a lot going on in general, um, even since Netduino kind of first hit the scene. I mean, there's um, especially you look around. There's things like Raspberry Pi, one of which I have in my house and I use for for some of my device programming as well. Um, and there's some others out there. Um, you know, and you can run mono on the Raspberry Pi and, and that I've done with, you know, varying degrees of success. And uh, there, there's some other platforms out there. And so, you know, what do you what do you see the scene evolving to? And, you know, what what do you see when you look out at the, the kind of hardware scene today? Yeah, you know, it, it's really interesting. There's there's a lot of stuff out there and, and the space is really in a way it's really crowded and it's crowded on a couple of fronts. There's there's a, just a proliferation of these um uh, Arduino primitive uh, platforms, and then there's some, you know, up-level 
platforms. You mentioned Raspberry Pi, and you know Microsoft's announced the Sphere OS and stuff. Um, and it and it's it, it's really interesting because you know the Arduino space is is like I mentioned, it's it's really stuck in the 80s. It's all C low level stuff. And then there's things like Raspberry Pi, which brings some you know, and Sphere OS, which brings some up level uh, development experiences, but What's important to understand here with uh, with Pi and, and Sphere is that those devices, they're not microcontroller based, which means they're never going to power the majority of IoT. You know, Raspberry Pi isn't powered by a microcontroller. It's, it's what they call a single board computer um, with a microprocessor, and it's a massive piece of silicon there, you know, and it, and it costs $35 or $50 if you want Wi-Fi, you know, connectivity, which, you know, you need for connected devices. So ultimately, you can forget about embedding something like that in a toothbrush. First of all, it wouldn't fit. You know, second of all, the energy requirements are enormous because it's, it's a computer. It's, you know, running on a small battery would be problematic. So you have to understand that the majority of devices that will be connected will be small and cheap. You know, it's just a rule of economics. We're talking about connected things outnumbering mobile devices 10 to 1. So going back to the toothbrush example, you know, a complete ESP32 microcontroller board with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth costs under 10 bucks, you know, at scale. You know, so when you're making you're making a thousand or ten thousand of these and and those prices will only continue to drop. It's a race to the bottom for hardware and, you know, raises the price bottom for hardware in Shenzhen today, you know, and, and, and so those things, the Raspberry Pi, which is, you know, if you, if you try to create something with that and, and embed that, you, you know, the, the cheapest that you're ever going to be able to get that to is about 25 or 30 bucks. And, and it's just not practical for, for most devices. And of course, as I mentioned, the size and, and battery requirements, and then the Azure Sphere stuff is, just a Raspberry Pi 2 chip, you know, it's just like Raspberry Pi. It's it's a microprocessor. It has, and that chip is that chip is really interesting because it's um it's a microprocessor that contains a microcontroller in it. I mean, it's a massive, expensive piece of silicon, and it runs full Linux and requires a pile of memory. You know, it's nothing like Netduino or Arduino or our upcoming Meadow stuff. Um, you know what's interesting about that uh, that chip is that they had to add a microcontroller in it because the Raspberry Pi doesn't have key components to do hardware, which is um, analog I/O, and so they had to add they had to add like a secondary chip in there to really do hardware because a microprocessor was never meant to do hardware. It doesn't have the I/O for it. It was really just meant to you know crunch numbers. Um, so these these devices, this you know Raspberry Pi, Sphere, and 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 things like that, these are really kiosk computers. They're not they're not commodity hardware. They're they're not going to power IoT. You know, you really need IO, IoT will be uh, owned by microcontrollers. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think that's uh, good clarification and uh, a good way to kind of think about these things and um, you know the the kind of landscape that's out there. Um, going back to the the code side a little bit, I mean, you, you'd mentioned before when we were talking about uh, Netduino um, and and how it's a platform that that you really love, but you kind of called out that it's uh, you know use the word prototyping there. Um, you know, is is Netduino then not not a platform that you would want to say go to market with once you move if you want to move beyond a, a prototype or tinkering around with a little home project or something? 
Yeah, you know, I think I, I think I have to be real careful there. Um, I think that I think it is a fantastic prototyping platform, um, and there are quite a few of embedded .NET microframework apps out there. You know, it's it's used in medical devices and industrial IoT, um, but ultimately the Netuino is a is a is a dev board, and um, you know we're. It's fantastic for, pro, for for prototyping and trying out new things. It makes it super easy. But what we're creating now, uh, which is the successor to NetDuino called Meadow, um, it's really designed to be embedded from the get-go. Um, you know, it, it's going to come in a, in a very small form factor. You know, it'll have some various form factors, but, you know, at, at, at its heart, it'll be a, a what they call feather, um, a feather form factor, which is a an Adafruit um, form factor that a lot of folks are um, adopting, and it's you know super embeddable, and uh, it's you know, honestly it's it's awesome. It, it it runs mono on a microcontroller. You know we've spent the last year and a half uh, getting that to work, and and it which means that you'll be able to run full .NET standard applications on it, which is just a massive leap forward in the state of the art, you know, it's as big of a leap forward or a bigger leap forward than getting mono running on iOS, you know, back in the day to build, to build Xamarin, you know, so uh, at some point in the future, you know, at scale, when you are building, uh, you know, thousands of, of devices, you'll be able to run full .NET applications, .NET standard applications on boards um, that power your device that cost, you know, the boards might cost five bucks or 10 bucks. You know, so so this really a, a, a really a fantastic leap forward. But like I said, you know, that's a conversation for our next podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back on pretty soon to to go into all the new details. Um, but it's it's fun to kind of set the stage for all that. Um, and it's interesting too. I mean, you know, one of the the sort of taglines, um, you know, in the last decade or so with .NET, especially with the 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 mono and Xamarin stuff and all the .NET Core stuff now is it's you know .NET everywhere right and it seems like this is just going to really really rocket that forward even more by putting it on just millions of you know random devices that are out there so it's definitely really awesome to to see this all kind of coming together yeah that's right so I so how do you see the 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 market penetration side of this working. I mean, you know, with, uh, you know, when you were working on the, the Xamarin stuff and apps that are all built on that, there's distribution models for these things, right? There, there's app stores and there's there's other other ways to, to go about getting things. Um, what does that look like on the, the hardware side of things? Yeah, um, you know, I think that there's, I think that's a really, really good question because like you said, you know, with uh, Xamarin, there was a really built-in demand via these, uh, the stores and people getting rich, you know, that way. And, and that was sort of a real draw. I think that for hardware, it's going to be um, a, a little bit different. Um, it's going to be similar in the sense uh, of the way that it will evolve with, you know, who will be building hardware and then how it will get acquired and whatnot. But it'll be probably a little slower burn at the beginning. Um, and I think there's a couple of sort of interesting sets of folks out there that will really move us forward. And, and, and first of all, I think, 
you have these these people that uh, we like to call enthusiasts, and and you know these are folks that probably work professionally in tech during you know during the day. They might be a web developer, an app developer, you know, related fields. Uh, maybe they're graphic designer, UX or something, and and then they when they go home and at, at night they hack, you know, and they they're trying interesting things. They might team up with uh, with other friends to build interesting hardware, and and maybe they're making stuff with their kids, you know. And then I think so. Those are sort of the the the, the first movers in this space, and and you know we might also know those folks as uh, makers, you know, mm-hmm. people really hacking stuff together. And then there's a second group of folks that we call the innovators. And these are these are like small companies. These are small teams of enthusiasts that are creating really interesting technology. And and a lot of this technology will be, you know, the, the app store of hardware will be crowdfunding campaigns. You know, a lot of these little companies and consulting firms are going to be building interesting commercial and industrial I- IoT as well as um, as well as consumer products. And so we've seen things like, um, you know, the June oven raised just a pile of money. And then there's Mellow, which is that smart sous vide. And, and um, there's going to be a whole pile of these things that will really make major disruptions in technology. And then what's going to be, what will happen, and we're already starting to see this, is that, um, you know, the enterprise, these big companies will be snatching, snatching this, these, this technology up, you know, the enterprise hardly ever innovates. They, they, they purchase. And so, you know, we saw the June oven is, you know, got snatched up and Google of course bought ring uh, or sorry, bought nest for a gazillion dollars and, and someone, Amazon, I think bought ring, yep. you know, so, so that's really kind of how it's going to happen. You're going to get, you're going to have folks like, like you, like you and I um, at home, just building interesting things or a team up, launch those on Kickstarter or Indiegogo and, and really change the face of what people expect in technology. And then the enterprise will come in and, and, and snatch it up. And, and what we'll see is, uh, really a rapid uh, innovation here once it starts, you know, sort of once it, it, it it's sort of the, the flywheel spins up. And I think I think that the thing that is holding that back right now more than anything is, um, you know, the lack of quality platforms. And I think that, um, you know, what we're building, what we've built with NetDuino Foundation and, you know, getting that out to, in front of people is going to be a, a, a big game changer. And then, of course, Meadow is, you know, going to change the game completely. So, you know, it's it's sort of chicken or egg there a little bit. Um, but I think once we once that's in the hands of folks and they, they realize that they can actually do this, they're going to build really interesting things. Yeah, right on. So, so for those of us that are are enthusiasts or uh, aspiring to be enthusiasts, like, what does the the getting started story look like? Like, like, so you know, let's say I'm a developer. I, I've never worked in hardware before. It, it seems really daunting, but this all sounds intriguing. And you know, suddenly this world is you know seemingly open to me. You know, what do I what do I have to buy? What do how do I get started actually tinkering with something? Yeah, man, and you know that's a that's a great question because I think if you're if you're someone listening to this podcast, if there's any takeaway today, it's you know I hope that it's inspiration to go build something because you can do it. Um, so so definitely start. You know, grab a Netduino off of off of Amazon. You can you know they're they're for sale there, and and just go make something. You know, follow our guides tear apart an appliance and make it smart, smart, start playing. You know, this stuff is really a blast. We're having so much fun building these things. And um, also, 
uh, make sure you sign up for our mailing list so that you can keep in touch with uh, what we're up to. You know, we post really cool hacks up, up on there and then, you know, interesting things that are happening in the industry and, you know, talking about IoT and connected things and where that's going. And, and, and of course, um, that's where you'll get an inside, inside scoop on what's going on in Meadow. So, you know, get a go get a Netuino. Uh, start building and, you know, get, get, get on our, uh, our mailing list as well. Awesome. And then I know you're, you're out there giving uh, some talks and, and going to meetups and different events and stuff too. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So um, we have a whole bunch of, so we've, we, we have a meetup group called Hardware Hackers and um, we have a ton of meetups that are either scheduled or being scheduled. We're doing a kind of a road road show through Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, um, Vancouver, uh, BC, up in Canada. And then I think we're also going to add LA and um, probably Phoenix and maybe Boise to that list as well. So, um, you know, check out our events page and, and come and say hi, you know, I'll be at all those talks and you can, um, you know, I'm going to walk through how to build some of this stuff and, and really show, show end to end, like, if you want to build a smart connected appliance, how how do you do that? You know, come come watch as we as we talk through that. And I think all these links will go up on the podcast page too, so you know, folks will be able to to find them that way. Yeah, we'll definitely include uh, you know a whole bunch of good links for for listeners in in our show notes and uh, a bunch of stuff to read and check out. And and if you do end up coming through uh, Los Angeles, I'll definitely come by. <laughs> we'll be fantastic to see you. Yeah, man. Well. Uh, this this was awesome. Um, obviously, like we said, we'll, we'll we'll I'm sure we'll have you back on within within a month or two, and we've got the the next phase of things to talk about. But uh, it was great to to hear what you've been up to, and uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I can't I can't wait to be back again. We got some really cool stuff to show off. So until next time. Yeah, looking forward to it. And thanks as always to everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile. <laughs> <laughs>